0: hello and welcome to the patchwork jukebox a podcast where we use the songs and albums that matter to you to stitch together the story of your life I'm big boy and I'm Penel and we're very excited to be here
1: so let's go <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Patchwork Jukebox. As always, this is Pinnell. And this is a Big Boy. And tonight we're not together, actually, like we're usually together. Tom is um, vacationing. He's a mm-hmm. man of loser way over in Florida. So he's we're, uh, we're going old school on the old school Zoom here. How's Florida? It's amazing.
0: Wish you were here, but glad I am.
1: Well, I slaved away at the can recycle place today. That's what it's almost as cool as, as, as surfing in Florida. So,
0: Hey, I'm trying to recycle cans as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, I'm excited to be
1: here because not only do I get to see you, but I get to see an old friend who I haven't talked to in a long time and whose taste in music, um, is important to me. And I think very important for people to listen to. And uh, yeah, you've met a couple, a long time ago, briefly as well. Um, but tonight, Mm -hmm. um, we have the one and only
2: world famous Gentry Morris. Hey. <laughs> Woo. Hey guys. Hi, Gentry. Good to be here. World famous feels like a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, well, I think I'm, I'm lo- if someone knows lo- where you are, anywhere in the world, lo- you're famous. So <laughs> oh, that's, true. that's true. That's true. I'm infamous in a lot of places. So <laughs> that counts.
1: Maybe maybe I should have gone with infamous.
2: Yeah. Well, we able- say infamous yeah I think stories for offline if you want to there
1: we go perfect <laughs> well a little background for how gentry even got here um it, gentry and i met i i should have had this nailed down probably six seven years ago um, we were both um working with some churches in the northwest and it's just a it's kind of a funny story we met on a navajo res- reservation in arizona <laughs> And we bonded over uh, Northern Irish music. It was a weird thing. But um, if you remember at all, Gentry, we're sitting there talking. And we're, we're both like, you know, like feeling each other out. Like, is this the guy I want to yeah. hang out with all week or not? Kind of a deal. And we're talking about music. And you shared somebody said, like, oh, dude, I really like that band. And then we both, I don't remember who shared it first, but we talked about a band named Jump Little Children. That yeah. excited us both because not a
2: lot of people talk about that band. Well, the interesting thing is, like, we were we were playing, like, the the Spotify tag game. That's what we were doing, right. Like, going back and forth, and the Jump Little Children connection, we had both independently pulled up Jump Little Children to play for the other person hmm. at one moment. But, oh, we got to hear this band, and then, like, we both started. It wasn't the same song. I don't remember what we played, but it was. I think we I play were both cathedrals, playing. but yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. That's a great song. Yeah, but we were both like trying to share Jump Little Children with one another. <laughs> like, wow. Uh, it, it, it was kind of Tom, like a scene out of a uh, stepbrother's like, did we just become best friends? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
1: And then yeah. the next thing I do, he starts telling me from Belfast and what sealed the deal for him. I asked him about an artist from Belfast named Bap Kennedy that I was a fan of. And again, he was like, no one's ever asked me that, you know? And so, <laughs> I mean, our friendship obviously went deeper from there but music kind of is what made us meet each other so
2: absolutely for sure and for sure was the thing that um made me want to hang out with you for the rest of the the week um and and then longer than that forever really so yeah <laughs> there we go <laughs> that's great and So yeah we've been friends since
1: and since you moved to the east coast it's been a while since we talked. but um you are definitely a personality that we want to have on This project that we're working on because we believe, just kind of like in that instance right there, you know, um, yeah, it was because we both like the same music, but that also tells something a little bit deeper. Like if you like the same music, there's something about you that's connected on a deeper level. And that's kind of, we've been having a lot of fun on this show. Mm -hmm. So, a little bit, you're going to tell our listeners about who, who Gentry Morris is. Um, before that why don't you tell us a little bit about because you are a musician you're you've been a professional musician in many capacities and I think it'd be great to hear a little bit of your story.
2: Sure yeah Um, so uh, I grew up in uh, South Georgia um, and uh, spent you know I spent my childhood there growing up and and I don't know I don't know what it was like growing up where you guys grew up, where I grew up, it was kind of like you were either into uh, football or you were into uh, academics and I wasn't good at either of those things. <laughs> um, and so music really became for me uh, at a really young age, like the, the the place where I felt like I really thrived. Um, and so I started playing, writing songs and playing in bands when I was like 14 or 15 and then graduated from high school, went away to school in this little tiny college in West Tennessee. Um, I lasted about two years there before um, I dropped out or they asked me to leave, depending on who you ask. Um, <laughs> That's uh, relatable. <laughs> and, um, and and my parents at that time were like, look, this clearly is not working well for you. Like this uh, career, You know uh college path or whatever what do you want to do with your life and i um at that point like i failed a bunch of classes because i just would not go to the classes i would sit in my apartment and just record my own songs uh on this on whatever you know crappy recording software i had at the time Uh, so it wasn't a four track it was uh it was on my computer i can't remember maybe Mm -hmm. cakewalk or like that like it was long long time ago um but i think i I just said i think i want to write music and they said and my parents being amazing were just like well then you should go where you can do that and so Mm. uh at 19 old i left home i moved to nashville tennessee um and started trying to do the artist songwriter um gig there i realized very quickly after i got there that everybody in nashville is a better songwriter than you are um, and true. like burgers at the fast food joint has a hit that you don't know about. And it's, it's just, a, it's a, an intense place. Uh, but I learned a ton uh, from living there, uh, spent four years in Nashville writing and touring. And then um, in 2006, uh, my wife and I got married. And um, in 2007, we moved to Belfast, Northern Ireland. Uh, to do, I, I got called to do some work with a the church there. I was doing like youth ministry stuff, but uh, continued to do the music while we were there and um, and still continue to write and perform. And that kind of in Belfast is where things kind of took off for me. Um, I got a lot of great opportunities to uh, tour with some incredible artists and um, and play some beautiful venues and, and make a lot of friends uh in the music industry so uh, I got to do like songwriting camps with bap Kennedy and um and ran around in a lot of circles there with some uh just incredible musicians and incredible people um and so that kind of led to you know the whole thing kind of taking off over there released a couple of albums while I was there did the whole tv radio press thing mm-hmm. uh and that for a few years and uh, in 2013 uh, my wife and I had our first child our son was born and uh that first year after he was born i really started seeing like the tensions of me trying to like hold down both of those kind of careers at the same time uh and and particularly the music thing it was real hard for me to go out and do gigs and be gone for a week or two at a time on tour or even just like you know one night gigs and come back at 2 a.m or 3 a.m with a newborn at home it just was uh, hard on my wife, and then like I've ha- I've been through some mental health stuff over the years, and kind of have discovered the the effect that that was had that the music and touring and some of my own uh, struggles and in, in those worlds have had, uh, and so I really kind of decided after my son was born to start dialing that side of my um, myself back or that side of my music back, and uh, in 2014 we uh moved back to the to the states i took a job with a church in just outside portland oregon um was there for a couple of years didn't really touch music at all for a couple of years um part of that was just like me trying to figure out what boundaries i needed in my life part of that i think was just trying to r- figure out who i was supposed to be in this new life back in the states um and then in 2016 um uh we took a job or i got called for a job here in just outside washington dc mm. uh with a plant at resting community church and so i serve on staff there as a pastor i oversee all of our creative arts and music and as a part of that now i kind of have found uh, a, a part of that is i i, I write songs for the church for our church, like small C, but the church, big C, like all around the world, whoever wants to sing the songs, all that kind of stuff. Um, But have really found like the collision of those two things happening in a really beautiful way where this person that I feel like I was really made to be is able to actually um, express those things in artistic and creative ways uh, that are different from a lot of the things that are going on. So Mm. yeah. So we're kicking around here in, in, in Reston, virginia um we just re- we just recorded a, a six song ep that we're releasing we're on our third single coming out this uh on june 24th and then the, uh, or the third single comes out on whatever friday is and then the full album comes out on june 24th so, nice. yeah. so and when yeah. you say
0: we recorded uh who would who recorded
2: Uh, our worship team, um, here at the church, we recorded these, it's an EP of six songs. EP is called Children and Ken. Um, and we brought in a producer from Nashville named Adam Agin. He and I go way back. We toured together a long time ago. Fantastic songwriter, um, incredible producer. He worked with us on the album. So we recorded a chunk of the album up here in Reston. And then earlier this year, I was down in Nashville for about 10 days, kind of putting the finishing touches on the album in the studio with him um and then had um yeah mixing mastering all that kind of stuff done down there as well so yeah wow. that's, that's where i'm at now so I'm, I, I live here in reston i got two kids um I'm a husband i'm a father i'm a church man i am uh a pastor and i really 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 love music so <laughs> <laughs> perfect well,
1: because I, I'm sitting here thinking of conversations you have had, you and I have had about life. Honestly, I don't know if you remember. I remember weird things. But I remember, and but it's about life, but through songs. I remember us talking about some Elbow songs. I remember us talking about some Damien Rice, and, and so I'm super. I know what kind of songwriting that you seem to gravitate towards. So I'm excited to see what you say tonight, and if there's some surprises that I'm not going to see coming. Um, yeah.
2: Please, <laughs> uh, this is a, the hard. here's the thing man i love like i love this podcast because not only is it just fun to listen to other people's answers but like past week one of my best friends from belfast was staying here with us uh in our house and like this is the game we played all week long together it was just like asking <laughs> these questions. <around> yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: exactly
1: and so for people like us this is like heaven <laughs> so. are you ready to
0: share with us your answers yeah man let's do it let's do it well tom why don't you kick us off man you got it all right gentry here we go what song makes you think the most of your childhood all right so
2: um i gotta give backstory for some of these things so i grew up i grew up in south georgia my dad was raised in alabama um so i grew up uh, in a house, particularly for my dad, he was, he was a, a huge influence on me musically. He was not musical himself, um, or is not musical himself, but he loved music. And some of my earliest memories are, uh, of riding around in his like red Ford F-150 pickup truck with like the bench seat mm-hmm. and vinyl seats. and going through his he had these cassette boxes you remember like you'd get the oh, yeah it was before the flippers yeah. so he had like these giant cassette boxes that were stashed under that bench seat and it was just filled with uh Allman brothers credence clearwater revival james taylor um Dude. all kind of rock stuff that was really the stuff that he grew up on um and so as i was thinking about this i thought well and I've got this. I've got a, a cassette tattooed on my arm with CCR Bayou Country on it because that was the like, cassette member most going to. Wow! And so I, for a long time, I had that written down, um, which I felt like would probably be the cool answer. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, CCR is pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, I love it. And and every time I hear that stuff, I think about my childhood. But there was one cassette that he had that. If I hear the song, and I don't hear it much today because it's an interesting story about this band and, and their and their music altogether. Um, but if I hear that song, I'm immediately like transported back to like my legs sticking to that vinyl seat <laughs> in the gorgeous sun. Um and the song is Mindbender
0: by Stillwater.
1: Wow. Whoa. Wow. You guys know that
0: <laughs> song? No, as soon as you said Mindbender, um, I like this band called The Crucified, which is like a Christian thrash band from Southern California, and uh, they had a song called Mindbender, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Gentry knows The Crucified, so <laughs> you derailed me immediately, so no, I don't know that song. <laughs> oh,
1: I know Stillwater, but I cannot place that song, to be honest with you, so now That's I'm like still... super intrigued, yeah. so then yeah, I this... do know it then, okay, okay.
2: The Stillwater was a southern rock band from warner robbins georgia so just up the road from where i live um they only ever had i think that one hit um but they the were kind of, the of well the reason that you know the name of the band is because of almost famous Correct. That's what i was about to say i said i'm
1: thinking almost famous but that's different you know
2: well that's the big that's the big conversation piece like if you if you look at like the if, if you look at interviews from the band they're like we, that that movie wasn't about us but it could have been about us like right who <laughs> was climbing up on the balcony and jumping off into the pool like that was something that happened in their band oh wow uh, they used some of their music in that movie even oh uh, wow but yeah they're just like a they were a southern rock band they were running around with the allman brothers and all those guys but they had one song and it wasn't even their album that I that my dad or their cassette that my dad had it was like a compilation cd or compilation cassette of southern rock classic hits and the song mind is this story about this guy who goes into a pawn shop and he's looking around at the guitars on the wall and then there's this one guitar and the guitar starts talking to him. <laughs> so the chorus of the song, it's not I'm not saying it's a good song, I'm just saying it's what reminds me much out of my childhood. <laughs> But the chorus of the song is my mama was a Gibson. No, my my daddy was a Gibson. My mama oh, was a fender. Yes. That's why they okay. call me. And it's all done through like a talk box. Oh my goodness.
1: Yes, I know that song now that you're seeing that.
2: Yeah. So it sounds like a guitar singing the chorus and as a nine-year-old child i was like what magic have they just invented <laughs> and so and every time i hear that song now i'm just like back in my dad's pickup truck cruising wow. through the woods in south georgia that is listening. Perfect. i don't know any other music by them uh and i don't know that anybody does i think like i think there was a fire at the record label where they were like where all their masters were lost or something like that. Oh, geez. It's yeah. It's a whole thing, man. It's pretty interesting.
1: What a great song. That's though. such I a great it. answer.
2: <laughs> it pulls you back.
1: So, I mean, so the next question, we kind of lump these two together because they go hand in hand. Um, sure. So that, that's, that's a song that, you, that takes you back to like cruising with your pops. I get that. Yeah. Um, but then at some, we all had, that. I think every one of us described it in similar, either with your dancing with your mom or with your dad or going to a baseball game. But we all had a point at, in time where something struck us about a song or an album, and it became ours, and we went after it. So so what is the first music purchase that you remember buying for yourself?
2: Yeah, so this question was was tricky, um, partly not, not really because I had to think back, because I remember the first album that I ever purchased. Um, but do you guys remember Columbia House? Oh, oh yeah. yes. <laughs> 12 for 12 for a dollar or whatever mm -hmm. (laughs) but if you signed up for columbia house when you were 12 and didn't have a credit card for them to charge yep you you, i stole so many cds from columbia house i don't actually remember (laughs) what my first was
0: gentry Um, i have to tell you i just had to confess to my kids that i stole uh probably 50 or so cds from columbia house in the same way when i was in college I had a whole racket where I would order them to somebody else's mailbox at Harding under a fake name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel really <laughs> bad, but I had to confess to my kids. I did that. And part of me feels bad. Part
2: of me feels like, eh, they should have thought that better. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, well, figured out a scam. You. Yeah, you're not doing hot on that. Uh, right. Remember like Columbia house. Like I ordered some, like the earliest ones I remember ordering from them were like, like they seem weird to me now. They're, I, I still stand by some of these, but uh, I ordered the Boys to Men CD. Oh, heck yeah. uh, I remember I got uh, Usher,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I, Matchbox 20. I'm not standing by these. Like These are great mm-hmm. albums. It's like there's a 12, 13 year old me going bad. Sure. I, I think I got Matchbox 20, Third Eye Blind, Weezer. I, I'll stand by that one, uh, the Blue album. Um, so I stole all of those. Uh, first but then the first album that i purchased with my own money i bought at walmart and it was uh recovering the satellites by counting crows
1: nice excellent so that,
2: it, yeah that was the first one that i remember purchasing with my own money How and do you stand, stand by that purchase um yeah i think so it's I into that album but i remember like there was that moment for me because like growing up listening to my dad's music i somehow had this assumption that they had stopped making music after
3: 1979
2: <laughs> <laughs> It didn't occur to me that they were still making songs and then i remember like i remember vividly like in my childhood bedroom my parents i had like an iowa stereo and i always had the radio dial set to uh, 99.1 Oldies. That was the oldies channel in our town, and I remember—I don't remember if I, I did it on purpose, just flipped it or changed it, or if I got bumped or whatever. But it flipped over to whatever the like contemporary alternative music station was, and and Long December was like the one of the first songs I remember hearing. Long December, um, Follow You Down by the Gin Blossoms. Oh yeah, that's a great and, year yeah it was all in and, and one other one other one around that time as well and my mind was just like holy crap they're still making music <laughs> and <laughs> and so i just kind of went down a, a rabbit hole of trying to find all of so counting crows recovering satellites that uh long december song was on there and it had my heart at Love that so.
0: road was at that point that's a great answer man i appreciate both parts of that answer both the fevery and the honesty uh, i can relate <laughs> for sure yeah yeah, I was the original music pirate. Yeah,
1: pre <laughs> Napster.
0: Yeah, pre Napster. Yeah. All right, Gentry, let's see. Oh, here we go. This is a fun question. Um, I'm trying to imagine you doing this, which is making it fun already. Gentry, what song <laughs> makes you dance regardless of where you are or what you're doing?
2: Uh, so, this was one of the harder ones for me to answer. Sure. Oh, 100%, because I don't dance, man. Yeah, like, that's why I thought it was funny. Yeah, it takes a lot to make sense, and by a lot, I mean uh, whiskey. Um, <laughs> and uh, only recently have I been able to like break through the barrier of like self doubt and mm. and like self loathing to be able to bring myself to be able to enjoy those moments. Um, so like, I don't have a long history of this, but I think the song that I landed on is one that I think has meaning for me, um, because it was the first song that my wife and I danced to oh. uh, at our wedding. Um, we didn't have dancing at our wedding because there was the church that we got married in was like crazy conservative and you couldn't dance because you might lust after somebody. I was like, I was, I'm married to her. I think we have covered this. <laughs> Point. So um, that's a different podcast. <laughs> yes. We can get into that offline as well. But we had a, um, we so we couldn't have a dance at the wedding. So she had arranged like for us to have our first dance back at her parents' house after the wedding. It was a big surprise for me. Um, and so our song that we danced to was Polka Dots and Moonbeams by Lester Young um it's so an old yeah, jazz standard it's an old uh, jazz standard oh cool yeah so lester young i so that's a part of i guess i didn't say this earlier but part of my musical story is i played saxophone for years competitively when i first went to college i was there on a saxophone scholarship um and so i love jazz i love and particularly saxophone tenor sax bari sax like that's my you know if it's for jazz like that's my that's my spot um, but Lester Young has always been one of my favorite jazz saxophonists because he, when he plays in the recordings, you can hear his breath coming through. Hmm. And there's something, it's, it's about more than the notes that he's playing. You can hear, like, actually a piece of him. Mm-hmm. I hear this man who's been dead for years now, but I can hear him breathing this music out. And that is just so meaningful to me. And so, wow. yeah, Polka Dots and Moonbeams by Lester Young. If you haven't heard that song or of Lester Young, um, I'd Ooh. say
0: he's right up there with all the greats.
3: Perfect.
2: That's okay, amazing.
0: Perfect. We'll have to get you connected with uh, our friend, Ed, who used I was to thinking that. M- manage Maynard Ferguson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a fun guy to talk to.
1: I'm he's sure. A jazz, he's a jazz nerd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, look, based on your answer to that, and just what I think I know, um, I I believe you probably there are some songs that you probably connect very deeply with, and I know there are. So this yeah. next question is a pretty personal one for a lot of people, um, but it's always cool to hear what it is for different people. So, Gentry, what song is it, um, or songs? <laughs> If need right. be. what what song always makes you cry
2: um so this one's a little bit different as well because this isn't a song that I think a lot of people know um, but it is a song that the first time I heard it it's not an old song, um but the first time I heard the song, I wept, and some of that was is tied to like the the, the season of life that we were in at the time um like I said, my wife and I were in Belfast for seven years, but part of that seven years was us having to renew our visas every two years uh, in order to stay there. And there was this, there was one gap in there where uh, they had changed the laws around the particular visas that we had, and uh, we had to come back to the States. And at that point, music had really, like my family in Northern Ireland was very closely tied to the people that I made music with um and so my band um that are the people that i played with that were in the band uh, that's kind of backed me up um some of the some of the best musicians and some of the closest friends i've ever had in my life um steve mccartney uh rachel coulter at the time rachel mccarthy now jamie adams monty snedden um those are like those were my boys those are the ones who were just there with me everywhere uh that I went and and recorded with me and so around the time that we moved that we had to come back to the states for like a six-month period um Steve and Rachel started a band called farriers
1: who I Um, love because of you
2: yeah and man they farriers aren't together anymore Steve and Rachel are both doing their own thing and Steve has a project now if you haven't heard it's Pinnell it's called King Cedar he just got signed. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but uh, it's incredible. Um awesome. So, but um, they released an album um, around that time, and they were in the process of doing mixes and all that kind of stuff. And we were back in the States and just heartbroken because we weren't with our friends, and we weren't sure if we were going to get to ever go back again. And Steve sent me the desk mix for their song, Long Are the Hollows.
1: That's the song. Aww.
2: And I just ugly cried my way through it and and still to this day like like the last gig that i played in belfast before moving back was with Farriers, and um those were my like i said they were they were my musical family there and so mm-hmm. um every time i listen to their music i just but particularly that song it's a such a beautiful song and uh yeah i just get weepy so i actually yeah. have a hard time back and listening to that stuff but
1: i bet you do i mean that's a beaut i will i do know it only i wouldn't know it if it wasn't for you but i, I remember uh, another thing we did on that trip at at night a couple of times we'd say hey you should listen to this album and then you tell me yeah. album, and it was the album with that song and i think i for the rest of the week i was like nope i'm listening to this album
2: so <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, really good. Uh, you haven't heard them go check them out because they are just incredible musicians and yeah love sure.
0: it well that's perfect i think that sort of uh expression of emotion especially maybe sadness or just longing or difficulty uh leads into the next question really well and <laughs> yeah. hopefully this isn't a, a question that's relatable to you now but most of us have yes. some kind of a way to relate to it in the past <laughs> so, Gentry, what's your go-to breakup song?
2: Yeah, so I, I, um, I actually really, I one of the things I've learned about myself over the years is I actually really gravitate towards the kind of darker emotions in life. Mm. Um, they, you know, I, I don't mind going uh, into, um, sadness and and grief and all of those things, um but and maybe because of that most of my breakups have not been ones that i have like instigated i've been the the <laughs> dump rather than the dump most of the time mm-hmm. um so and this is one of the ones where i had like a few answers but i'm gonna i'm gonna narrow it down to one um so i've i of the times that i've been dumped there's been one time that i was like real heartbroken um and I was working in Florida at the time at this resort. I was a I was in housekeeping, which was a fun job, and <laughs> yeah, which but I was dry, my whole job was just like riding around in a van with all of these other people. A lot of them who I couldn't communicate with because there were language barriers, and uh, I just had like the iPod in all the time. <laughs> but there was a van driver, and every day of that summer, for whatever reason the song uh, Operator by Jim Crow, came on (laughs) and I was already busted up and I was just like, will you change the station, please? (laughs) Um, So that 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 wasn't my choice to be a breakup song. Whoever the van driver was at the Amelia Island decided that for me. Um, But the same summer, the song that I did choose for myself to kind of just like wallow in grief um, over this breakup was uh, Everything Reminds Me of Her by Elliot Smith.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I,
2: I think you can pretty much choose any Elliot Smith song, yeah. <laughs> an appropriate breakup song. Um, but that one, it kind of kept coming on. Um, and that was my... So I think like, that's my... like If I'm feeling real sad about the breakup or you know whatever, there's not like a i don't go to anger super quickly in those moments so that would be my like i'm just heartbroken over this relationship ending song if i had to choose one that was like i feel a bit bitter about this breakup it would be come pick me up by ryan adams oh wow yeah that makes me too because like The words to that song are so beautiful and so spiteful all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the fact that you're so practical.
1: Depending on the type of breakup, it'll be this song. (laughs) 100%.
2: 100%, I legitimately go, what's today going to be like? What music do I need to listen to for this moment? Right. And then the way my brain works.
1: I do too. I get in trouble with all, my wife. like, you don't need to make a playlist to mop,
2: you know? So. Yeah, <laughs> you do though, you do. And are you going to mop quickly or are you going to mop slowly? And how do Ooh. I feel about mopping today? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing, man. <laughs> out, of, out of all those,
1: man, like there's probably never been a, an artist that like you, every song could be a breakup song like elliot smith so
0: i know yeah, he's come up before on this podcast for sure
3: yeah
0: yeah he's for me one
2: of the first like you know like he was one of the first artists that passed that i was really into and man i mean i know like so many other people but when elliot when elliot passed it was just i was really it. hard
1: you felt it yeah
2: His other artists as well, but I think he was one of the first ones that I really felt. Um, So I got
1: close enough to our age too that it almost felt like it was. It wasn't a legend; it was one of ours,
2: right? Exactly. Exactly. He was our friend.
1: Yeah. He was exactly. He was
2: friend of all of us sad folks, and he was
1: the friend who sang to Gentry the Summer of Heartbreak.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, out of all these bands, because it's a very vast, from jazz to to you know, to whatever you want to call it, Americana, to to folk, to to boys, to men. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you've listened to a lot of music in your lifetime. And then living in Nashville, there's music everywhere, right? Um, so yeah. if you had to like guess, if you could somehow quantify it, um, what album have you listened to the most in your lifetime?
2: Dude, this one was super hard. Hmm. This was the the hardest ones for me because so much of my life has been spent. On the road and mm-hmm. all did was listen to music and and so there were a handful of albums i so i had to think about this a little bit differently so i think it's like there was probably like a four-way tie mm-hmm. for the one that probably is most listened to um all four
1: and, backstreet boys
2: they were all <laughs> the, the, entire, the entire and then then uh the titanic soundtrack on top of that (laughs) (laughs) Um, i didn't mean sorry (laughs) no you're good um no so i think oh i i I still can't like i can't narrow it down so i'm going to give you four and then i will tell you i'm going to just undermine your question and tell you if i had to only listen to one of them again there you go i like it or like So most listened to, I can't tell you, but if I had, if this one had to be the one that was most listened to, this would be it. So four of them, uh, Lost in Space by Amy Mann, Uh Uh, The Invisible Band by Travis, Uh Heartbreaker by Ryan Adams, and "Oh" by Damien Rice. Um, On the Road, I wore those CDs out. And... If I had to only choose one of them to listen to, or if I had to choose the one that, I, that would be the most listened to, I would probably choose Oh by Damien Rice. Really? That it, album, how
1: does it take the edge? How does it take the edge?
2: That album for me redefined what songwriting could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a, when I was learning, because I was in Nashville um, and I was surrounded by all these folks who were like just pumping out very, um, radio friendly Nashville songs, yeah. uh, nothing wrong with those, but I don't ever feel like I really fit into that box. And, um, you know, the production on them was always super clean and really compressed. And then um, one of my best friends growing up, he was in one of the first bands I was in, his name was AJ Moti. Um, he had given me this CD and, and I remember putting it in my the stereo in my car. I was driving from Atlanta, from his house in, in Atlanta or Athens, Georgia, and I was driving back to Nashville. I was by myself and I remember going through Chattanooga um, and kind of going over the mountains in Chattanooga and listening to there's a song on that album called Eskimo Friend. Mm-hmm. And it's just a weird song. Like it's not a typical, like it just goes all kinds, like it goes with like a weird operatic thing at the end of it. But and like the string arrangements, and it was just beautiful. But the recording of the album itself also sounded like it could have been done in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the vocals were really raw and emotional and um there was something about that album that just really spoke to me and i just burned it up for nice. years um and, and still to this day when i went down to nashville the last time i was like what am i going to listen to and so i had a whole like kind of list of albums i was going to listen to on the drive down and i was like well o has got to be on there so <laughs> there we go perfect it cannot be the thing that i listen to most now but over the course of my like years um that one probably would take the
0: the cake
1: so good it's got I think, one, of, one of the songs uh, i didn't mean to cut someone off there but uh on that album it's, it's one of maybe three songs in the entire world that if i'm doing something and it comes on i have to stop what i'm doing got like if the blower's daughter's playing i have to stop and i have to like, take it in
2: like yeah yeah man yeah, it's just, and it's one of those like I, you guys don't ask this question, but I have a list of perfect albums mm. uh, that I kind of curate as I go, um, and that one's been on that uh, on that list for a long time for me.
1: Great man, what a great answer! All four of those albums, but oh, excellent.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, different vein here. Um, <laughs> And we've gotten, we've had so many different answers for this because people translate a uh, guilty pleasure to mean so many different things. Yeah, yeah. Some of us have Catholic roots, and so that meant actual Christian guilt. Some of us, yeah. it just means like I should be ashamed for liking it, but I like it anyway. Um, it's it's all over the map. So, Gentry, what is, what song is your biggest guilty pleasure? Um, this one
2: was pretty easy for me. Um, and my guilty pleasure is not because I think I should be ashamed of it. Cause I think, I think this is a fantastic song. I think the artist is an incredible artist, but if I'm listening to it and my kids walk into the room, I'm 100% going to hit pause. <laughs> uh, but if I'm listening to it and nobody else walks in, I'm hundred percent jamming out to this song. I used to come on acoustic, uh, and it's 99 problems by Jay Z. Heck oh, yes. Oh, great. Uh, great answer. The language that you don't want 10-year-old to hear in it to, like, a little bit of misogyny as you get towards the end of it. And it's just a little bit like, ah, I don't know about this. But such a good song, man. It, oh, it is. I mean,
1: it's it's incredible song. And, you know, I've actually had that experience when my kids were little playing that and like, whoa, 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 whoa hit, turn, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Um, great answer, so- though. So good. Um, and, uh, you know, the sentiment for that and the sentiment for the next question probably don't go hand in hand. Um, I mean, you know, well, maybe. Maybe. How, maybe how so. How you're, how you're interpreting uh, Jay-Z there. But in, in, this whole, in, in the catalog of songs, Gentry, what song, in your opinion, is the
2: sexiest song ever made? All right. So uh, I'm, I'm going to hit you with three on this one because... <laughs> because I feel like it's been a like this has been a, a growth over the years for me because like, what was sexy when I was fifteen <laughs> yep. it's, fair,
3: still, fair. it's
2: still stuck in here and I can't get rid of it right uh, but it's not the same thing as sexy at thirty nine so right. um, the number the first one is you're making me high by Tony Braxton
3: yes oh <laughs> <laughs>
2: I remember hearing that song and seeing the music video on like VH1 when I came home from school. I don't remember what year it was, but whatever year it was, I that was the year I was like, I think I'm going through puberty right now. (laughs) (laughs) I was feeling I'd never felt before. I didn't understand them. So that's my like that was like the first like, oh, there's a whole other side to this than just like I want to hold your hand by the Beatles. But then, not long after that, um, there was a song by Fiona Apple called Criminal.
0: Oh, yes.
2: Yes, yes. It's not necessarily meant to be a sexy song. It is. Uh, But, like, that first line, I've been a bad, bad girl. I was like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 Bad girl. Um, (laughs) And I forgive you. Um, so, but, but in the end, like, those were, like, progressive for me, like, growing up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now today, still, I believe, one of the sexiest songs ever written, um, and it is Body Parts by Jump Little Children.
1: Wow. I, I would, you're right, but I never really considered that.
2: It's, man, like, I remember going and seeing them live, uh, with my wife now. We weren't married at the time. Um and it was, um, it was beautifully uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, I can see it Because <laughs> it's not even their lead singer that sings that song. It's the guy that plays like all of the other things, like the tiny guitar and the mandolin, and and then he gets the song, and he's just like gyrating and telling his story. And it's more of like a like a flowetry kind of song than like an actual melodic verse and all that um so yeah body parts by jump little children gets my number one spot but i needed i felt like i needed to give you a little bit of the progression to get there so
1: <laughs> i like it i like all it's a good three.
0: journey yeah it's a good journey well hopefully this next song has nothing to do with your last three no but i mean hey to each his own so uh gentry what song do you go to when you need to work out your anger
2: um i don't like i said when i i don't i don't feel like i i um yeah i gravitate more towards sadness um it takes a lot well depending on the moment but um if i'm going to listen to something when i'm angry usually i will listen to something that is a little bit more chill to just Mm -hmm. help me calm a little bit Mm -hmm. and that's not but it's not even anything that's like that i would that's worth mentioning i don't think because it doesn't yeah um but if i want to get like my anger out then my go-to song uh is the opening track on the 1998 album the shape of punk to come by refused okay the name of the song is worms of the senses slash faculties of the skull oh. <laughs> and I the love opening this title song are i've got a bone to pick with capitalism and a few to break and then it's just six minutes of screaming and
0: thrash guitar and it's glorious (laughs) you just made me very very happy do you know no but i cannot wait to find it
2: mate that song like that whole album is like so good because it was like 1998 so it was pretty early in the whole like punk screamo scene but they're doing all kinds of like they'll have like a like a song where they're just like thrashing on the guitars and screaming, and then it'll go into like an upright bass, like jazz, like moment, or electronic stuff is coming in. It was what? groundbreaking. So, Tom's listening to tonight. Huh? Yeah.
1: I said, I know what Tom's listening to tonight.
2: Yeah. yeah. The Shape of Punk to Come. It was fantastic.
0: <laughs> Thank you very That's much.
1: Amazing yes. <laughs> answer. So, uh, this is a i am learning i learn things about you all the time right um like gentry tells me on this trip to arizona that he's not much of a handyman and then on facebook he's basically like remodeling his entire home all the time so he's a man of many skills here trying to get
0: Um, out of work sounds like
1: (laughs) and so but what i don't remember i'm sure we've had this discussion is if you played sports Um, Because that's kind of where my mind went to this question. But for others, it's getting pumped for a gig. It's getting pumped for something difficult. But what song is it that when you need a song just to get you pumped up,
3: where do you go?
2: Um, I never played sport. Well, I played baseball for a little while. And I guess if I had to have like a walkout song for like a sports thing, if I was good at that, um, this would be it. Um, If I'm getting ready to go and play like a rock show somewhere this would be it but just in general listening to it it makes me want to do something even if i'm not going to do anything it makes me want to do something uh and it's sabotaged by the beastie boys oh wonderful choice yeah yeah we can definitely relate to that man that song every time i hear it i'm just like i don't have plans but i need to and it needs to involve
0: so (laughs) (laughs) did you say it needs to involve fire yeah That's a great that is a great quote.
1: (laughs) And
2: and handlebar mustaches. That's
0: right. Oh man, I love that answer. I'm a huge huge Beastie Boys fan. I
2: I also love that song because it's one of my wife's favorite songs. And if you guys have met my wife, she's a pretty soft spoken person. Um but she knows every word to that song. And when it's just me and her, uh she will occasionally for my birthday Rap sabotage for me, and it's it's one of
0: my more favorite memories. So (laughs) that's amazing.
1: That's a good birthday, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's subtly making the sexiest song list for you too, Gentry. Yeah, (laughs) they're all tied. Really, I mean,
1: (laughs) but but here's the question did did she did she set it straight that (laughs) Watergate? Oh. okay good good that's important then good well uh, look so great answer um and and uh some that i can't i knew and like forgot something i had never heard um but it really makes sense it really fits um fits this picture that you're putting together but these last couple to me are kind of some of the harder ones and maybe even more revealing for some people Um, so, so i'm really excited excited to hear what you have um, and this one is – the next question is probably the one, Tom, you might agree, that it seems people have the most trouble with up to this point because yeah. those of us who really love music don't like to call something bad or some do or like – or we always – we want to be like, hey eh, it's in the eye of the beholder. So everyone interprets it differently. Yeah. Right? And, especially and so, uh, people think, in the
0: industry in any way, they have a hard time answering this question.
1: Yeah, right. exactly. Especially in the industry. And I think Tom was supposed to ask this question, but I started so –
3: Go for it.
1: so um in your opinion gentry uh what is the most overrated album ever made
2: sure um i don't have the, the hard part for this question of me was trying to figure out which one to put down because mm. i have i have lots of hard opinions about that and <laughs> that is right about them but but i have opinions um so like the first thing that came to mind was anything by the b-52s i know i'm going to get some hate for that but you're a george boy i i can't stand the b-52s and wow. they can email me if they want to uh, <laughs> but every time i yeah so there's lots. lot there's we were talking my wife and i were talking today she was like do you do you not like the b-52s more than you don't like this other band and i was and the other band was legitimately like and not even just in like my opinion but like culturally they're kind of a joke uh and i was like i would listen to that other band for all eternity if i didn't have to listen to the b52s again uh, wow so much, there's so much vitriol inside of me and i know wow. people love them yes i and, love
0: them i'm sorry no I'm it's fine scared. i love your answer keep going <laughs> so, big boy's like why did you bring this jerk on the no nope. no nope, this is uh, great
2: so uh that was the first thing that came to mind, but I don't know like if the B-52s are like critically acclaimed. I just know that I don't They're care not. for them. Okay. So I thought more, and so this is and this has changed over the years for me a little bit, but for a long time, um Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. Huh. I really struggled with that one for a long time, but it grew on me. Hmm. Uh, it grew on me and uh now and so i was like that's not the one so the one that i've landed on is one that i've like it's not one that i hate um but it's one that i just i've tried and i know i'm supposed to like but i just don't and i don't get it um and it's the doors by the doors oh wow <laughs> wow these are great answers i disagree with most of them but i love yeah. that you said it <laughs> I'm just like being honest. Like I, I, and I'm like I grew up listening to jazz and playing jazz. I know it's a huge part of what the Doors were doing, but like I just never really bought. Like I never got into the Jim Morrison vibe. I was like, I don't know, man. I just yeah. So I'm gonna go with that one. Okay, uh, that's a great answer. He is the next. The- yeah, the next question is way harder.
1: I agree.
0: I agree. Maybe the well, hardest. I don't know. Well, great. I, I'm glad I get to ask it then. So objectively it doesn't yeah. mean that it's the one you listen to the most or you like the most but yeah. just overall it is the best album ever made so
2: this one is this one was hard and because there's so many great albums but i wanted to pick one that actually m- I that I did that I actually do listen to um, and that I do think is important and beautiful and like kind of shaping of the music that came after it. Um, and so for me, I'm going to say Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd.
0: Great answer. We've had that on most overrated from other people, but I don't disagree with you. It's an amazing there, I album. D- why i get why like
2: i get like it's one of those albums that has kind of gotten like owned by you know we we we, this is the album we listen to when we you know drop acid and watch wizards of oz right yeah Um, but for me there's so much going on in that album that had not been done before um or hadn't been done as accurately and so that's an album that i feel like makes like it it tends to always make the top 50 albums but for me like i go back and listen to it today and still really enjoy it um so yeah i don't know if it's right or not but that's my answer
1: There's no no arguing i'd tell you that
2: much and at the end of the day i got yeah, I was like I just got to pick something so I have an answer and I was like that's the one I'm just going to go with that one because there's so many good <laughs> I, I think
1: out of all the questions from this show I believe if we ever go back and like re interview people this will be the one that will change because I think I really do yeah. think if we asked any of us in six months we probably have a different answer than we have yeah.
3: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. but that's a great album I mean I, I'm not going to argue that at all yeah, not at all. So, um, here, but this one is really telling, like the purpose of, of this, it's fine to talk about music and to really like get a picture of somebody. Um, but this one is like really asking you to, to, I mean, it's all meant to kind of show us who you are, but this one's literally asking that question. Right. And so, um, you know, when you think of all the songs that matter to you, Gentry, what song do you think most defines you?
2: Um, so there's this is this is another one that i that um has been meaningful to me for a lot of reasons over the years um but it's long or, or late bloomer by ron sexmith oh wow um ron sexmith um has been one of he was one of my favorite songwriters, has been one of my favorite songwriters for a really long time. I think one of the most underappreciated yeah. songwriters in our time. Um, and that song in particular, um, the lyrics to it, I feel like they really um, kind of sum up my story of life in a lot of ways so like the lyrics are you know it's just a stone's throw from here to eternity from the back roads to where i long to be the world has changed leaving only truth intact you think it's a game to me it means more than that so he's like writing the song about like the longing of um you know performing being an artist all of that kind of stuff but also like um For me, like, that's been the story of my life in a lot of ways of just kind of feeling like I I emerged later, like things kind of, there was a longer burn for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, it's that for me, like, I go back to that song and I'm like, I get that. So, of course, I'm a, a long, I'm a late bloomer. I'm a slow learner. And I've heard the penny drop. I'm a small player with a tall order to come out on top. And without selling my soul that everyone might know that I'm a late bloomer. Um, from a turntable to a phone, yeah, it's just like so many good Ooh, lines good. That, that I feel like kind of sum up what my life has felt like in a lot of ways.
1: What a great, great choice!
0: That is a beautiful choice. Well, I'm I'm very excited to hear. This is our last one, and a lot of times this question kind of kind of read cryptically. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not the intention. It's more like we want to get people to think about the importance of legacy. I mean, each of us is important. And so it's worth thinking about. So Gentry, when your life is over, if the Mm -hmm. only way you can tell your story is to leave an album, Mm -hmm. what album is going to reflect your story?
2: So this was a tough one for me because there's
0: lots of albums that
2: I've listened to that I could see. Those are the ones that you know reflect some of my story. but as a songwriter and as someone who has spent years crafting songs that tell stories about my experiences um and i felt a little guilty about doing this because i don't want i don't want this to sound self-promoting um at all but i feel like this the album that i think probably like if somebody if my kids or my grandkids or my great grandkids wanted to get a picture of who I was or what I was like, it would have to be one of my own albums. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that it's the best album. I don't think that it's a great album. Uh, I don't think they're the best songs, but I think they're my songs. Mm. Uh, and so I have an album called Waco Sleeper. Um, and I don't think that, the, that they're the best songs I've ever written. Um, but those songs for me are representative of so many big chapters in my life, all kind of condensed down into this one album. Um, and there's stories of, of of those chapters of my life that really was who I was becoming then that have turned into or, or, or translated into who I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, there's songs on there, there's stories from the road, there's stories of, you know, Faith and struggling with faith and foolishness and all of the things that kind of really have made me who I am. Um, and yeah, again, like I don't think like I, I don't think it's the best album. I don't think it's the best they're the best songs, but I think that they're my songs. And I think that if I had to leave something for my you know great grandkids to listen to and know who their great granddad was, um, there are voices on that album that were they're my friends. There's my my you know my best friends are singing on that album with me. My sister is singing on that album with me. You know I'm making music with the people that I love. I'm writing songs about the things that I've experienced or the things that I am experiencing. Um, so for me, I know that's not the answer that everybody's looking for, maybe, but I think that is as a songwriter. Um, and maybe that's just the narcissist in me, but. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time thinking about the, the question and, and tossed around a good few answers. And there was always enough of all of the answers to make me go, well oh, I don't know. I don't think that one really does it. And so that's where I kind of landed was that that album.
0: That's a, that's a fantastic answer. I mean, look, if Brian and I had the ability to write and record music, I'm sure we would put together a legacy album to leave for our kids. But I mean, I don't. And so God bless you for being able to. I I think it's wonderful. It's not narcissistic. It's a skill set and a gift that you have. And congratulations. You put it all to to vinyl. You put it all, you've recorded it. You know, it's been mastered and it's there. So why not leave that behind to tell your story?
2: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's being modest. It's a damn good album. So (laughs) So. (laughs) it is definitely. Man, so I think you embodied the entire spirit uh, of playing, playing along with us. And I mean, but I think the thing I love about you and um, I think maybe is what makes us kindred spirits is, is um, to me, hearing your answers music to you is much more than just a sound um, or a melodic collection of words, you know, but it's, it's an experiential event. Um, And just, just the way you described, a lot of the things that you shared tonight were attached to a moment or even a physical item, you know, an F-150, <laughs> uh, you know, um, you know, a Navajo Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, yeah. You know, I mean, um, like an event, a time, you know, like anxiously awaiting on visas. And, and so I, I think that that's exactly what we're going for with this is like, this idea that music really does open up a part of us and reveal a little bit of our heart that sometimes we can't do ourselves so thank yes. you so much for your answers
2: well thank you guys for like doing this because like this is a game that i have played with people for years without the same without the structure that you guys have put to it and because i believe that i believe that as we hear like the, the songs that have changed people or have influenced people or made people who they are that you begin to get a better picture of who they are underneath that Mm -hmm. and that 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 is a unifying experience that crosses cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds and experiences and that's we find just so many beautiful ways to connect over music and so you guys are doing incredible things i'm super excited for it i'm glad to be a part of it
1: thank you so much hopefully we can uh get together and do this over a beer soon
2: i'd love that
0: yeah you can visit me in florida yeah i just want to say thank you also gentry uh i appreciate that this matters to you and listening to Pinnell's description of of the way music is important to you it actually makes sense to me that you don't like the b52s i mean Thinking about them as a band, uh, just, it's interesting. Like They're so fun and nothing really matters in their songs. It's all just about fluff. That's the whole point. And it would make so much sense to me that somebody who cares so deeply about every word that's written and every story that's being told from a songwriting perspective, that they would drive you crazy. And <laughs> yeah. I, I think not- it's, well, I think it's really interesting. I think it's pretty cool that you'd share that with us. And I, I just love that you took time to take the question seriously and show folks how useful this exercise is and how much fun it can be too. So I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys as well. And my 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 speech is pretty hyperbolic a lot of times. So um I got I got a lot of room. And I love the fact that like this is the beautiful thing about music is that you got you you love the B52s and I don't but there's a lot of other things that we like both really love. You're gonna listen to Refuse Tonight and you're gonna be like I love this band. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well have a good one my friend. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All
0: right. Take care.